With the recent moves and lack thereof by the Chicago Bulls for an office, today I'm going to talk about is it safe to say and feel that the Chicago Bulls are starting to shift their priority to developing their young players? We're also going to talk about Patrick Williams' comments on his his contract uh, negotiations with the Chicago Bulls and upcoming restricted free agency and preview today's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. We're going to do all that plus the mailbag right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into this content for today. So, listen. The, 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 the recent moves by the Chicago Bulls, we know that they were completely quiet by the trade deadline. Then when you look at, you know, uh, they, we had a roster spot open, which, uh, you know, people were speculating and thinking, hey, are we going to look at, um, you know, a, a buyout uh, candidate, one of the veterans that, w- that was waived? The Bulls decided to move up Ernold Lapatine and then go on to sign Andrew Funk to that two-way contract, right? And, and when you just look at kind of where the Bulls sit at right now, there are a couple of things that may be pointing towards the Bulls are going to start focusing on actually developing their youth. And one of the things that I think, if that is the case, right, we, we don't know for sure, we won't know for sure if that's what the Bulls are doing until this, uh, this upcoming offseason, but I do think that the emergence of Kobe White may have shifted what the Bulls felt their timeline was, right? You had Zach Levine, who was the, the, the player that the Bulls kind of tried to build around his skill set, right? Bringing in players in Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, that kind of all brought things that were lacking in, uh, in Zach Levine's game. And for a half a season there, it was working, right? Now, we know what happened with that. Lonzo ended up going down with injury. Zach, DeMar, and Vooch end up having declines, you know, this past season. Zach now goes out with season end in, uh, surgery after requesting a trade. And so now the Bulls are sitting there looking at this young player that's emerged for them in Kobe White who's averaging almost 20 points per game for them, 24 years old, and that, and that may have been enough to kind of shift the Chicago Bulls' timeline. Now, you, keep in mind, Kobe White is considerably younger than, than, than Zach Levine, five years younger than Zach Levine, and so you know that may have shifted that timeline to where the Bulls' front office felt, felt like, hey, we got to make sure that we are competing now, right? we got to build this team now. Again, not saying that I agree with that. I do think that the, the Bulls, we would have been in a similar place. We are right now, have the Bulls kind of, Taking more time to build organically without giving up those those uh those first round picks that they gave out, but you know you have a player now in Kobe White that has has adjusted your timeline. So when you see things like the Chicago Bulls, you know bringing up Erlen Lott Batim, right, and and maybe using it, it comes down to is Billy Donovan going to play Batim, right? And we'll we'll talk about that aspect of it in a minute. But a player development staff, which they installed last offseason, that's already worked with Io Dasumo. You have Io, Kobe, who've both taken steps. For the Chicago Bulls team, Kobe's taking a leap. Io's taking a step. You still have young players now and Patrick Williams, who we got to figure out what's going on. We'll talk about his contract here in a second. But then even Julian Phillips, Daylon Terry playing a little bit more. Adama Sonogo being down there in the wings in the G League, right? Him with Henry Drell and now Andrew Funk, right? The Bulls are actually seemingly using their two-way contracts now to take a look at players who have a chance to develop into maybe role players for the Chicago Bulls. Now, again, I'm not saying that, that, that the players we have down on two-way contracts are going to turn into these amazing star-level players or impact players or nothing like that. But when you look at the sustainable model, right, that, that kind of the Miami Heat put out there, when you look at the Heat and how they've developed players, having a player development staff that is proven, that is true, that can develop players, 
definitely allows you to kind of change your gears. When you look at how the Bulls had previously used their two-way contracts, even under this regime, there were some players down there that were like older players in college that ended up going undrafted, things like that. But this Bulls team now with their two-way contracts, Batim was the oldest player on the two-way at being 24 years old, right? But that was because he played over in EuroLeague. You look at Funk, Drell, Sonogo, they're all 23 and 22 years old. Even Justin Lewis, who started off this season on a two-way contract, a player that, you know, played a little bit in college, but, you know, still had a lot of promise and was still fairly young. It seems like that mindset may be shifting for the Bulls to where they are now looking at, hey, we can use our two-way contract players to develop players down in the G League that then can come up and be cost-effective role players for us. And that may be, again, I'm not I'm not throwing anybody bell here. We're talking about possible scenarios, not necessarily saying this is for sure what's being done because, again, as you guys know, when you're a Chicago Bulls fan, you can't bet on shit, right? And as I just turned on the lights, uh, so you can't bet on anything. So that plays a big part in this as well, right, is that, you, you know, this may seem what they're doing, but we got to see if it's going to come out, right? If it's going to actually come to fruition. But having that player development department, having Kobe White also take a leap this season may have now shifted that focus from the Chicago Bulls to where the young guys are going to be prioritized more. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go fully young. I'm not saying we're still going to not have vets. That's why you see people like Alice Cruz or the Bulls are holding on to. We're still going to have vets on this team. But the prioritization in, in their development, I think, has been more focused here as of late. Now, the person that they got to get on board for this is Billy Donovan, right? So you can have a front office that brings in young players, that brings in promising players that you can develop and things like that. But it still comes down to if you don't have a coach that's willing to play them and invest in that development, then everything you're doing is for naught. And that would that would more so fall in line with what we've seen from the Bulls. It's almost like the Bulls take one step in, in a direction in one part of their organization, and then they know, uh, the, the, the coaching staff does a different thing. We haven't seen that synergy yet between what the, it seems like the front office vision is for these young players to how Billy Donovan is using them on the court. Arturis Karnasova has never wavered from, for example, from Patrick Williams being a big part of the, his future, right? He's never wavered from wanting to see Julian Phillips and Dalen Terry play versatile roles on the court and things like that, right? But Billy Donovan hasn't necessarily played those players or prioritized them in offense, defensively, yes, but not offensively to where that offensive skill set's kind of developing for them in the NBA game, right? So now you bring in this player development department, and I just wonder if that's where the Bulls are headed. Keep in mind, the Bulls are right up against the luxury cap next season, next offseason. So even if DeMar walks away for free, Patrick Williams is going to be resigned. I see some of you guys, which I'll be talking about, saying let Patrick Williams walk for nothing. That's stupid. Uh, but he's not going to walk away for nothing. And so I think you're seeing the Bulls hold on to maybe key vets that, that can't help guide the development, but also don't necessarily take away from your ability to play some of these younger guys. But it comes down to Billy Donovan buying into it, and that's the part that I don't trust. I don't trust Billy Donovan to like Kobe. Kobe was around; he's played under Billy Donovan now for 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 almost four years. So, like, yeah, you know him him trusting Kobe to be that starting point guard. But look how many years it took to get there, right? But that happened over time, and Billy Donovan has always played Kobe White, even when Kobe White was coming off the bench. I got to give him credit for that. His role wasn't always the same as far as, like, him getting a bunch of, of shots in the offense, but he's always played Kobe, right? He's always played Pat. I would assume will earn minutes right away, right? But then you had guys like Julian Phillips, Dalen Terry, uh, first-round picks that, 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 well, Julian Phillips is a second-round pick, but didn't play. You had Marco Simonovic, who just apparently wasn't good enough, right? So, it's the questions about Billy Donovan's part of why I'm not as sure if the Bulls are really trying to shift their focus towards development because I just haven't seen enough from the head coach and Billy Donovan to where I say he's a coach that's going to prioritize young players' developments. 
I personally haven't seen enough of that. But it does. there are signs pointing to that Bulls philosophy may be shifting and their focus may be shifting some towards young players. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just hoping and trying to read the tea leaves and hoping that this team has some short, sort of direction. But, hey, we'll end up seeing what happens with that. But let me know what you guys think on that down below. With that said, we did get comments from Patrick Williams yesterday about his contract situation and his injury situation, things like that, and he said this. How do you see your future with the Bulls now? Have been, you know, your contract potentially restricted for agent. You're, not look, you're looking out toward next season, so... Do you, do you know what your future is? Um, I don't think anybody knows what their future is, to be honest. I would love to continue to be a Bull. I think I love it here. Um, I love you know, the, the opportunity that we have to build a culture, to build something special um, with this group, with this team. And I think that I could you know, really be a cornerstone piece for this team. Um, but you never know kind of you know, what the future holds. And I understand it's a business. Um, but with that being said, I love it here. I love the team. I love the guys. I love the front office. And just, like, like I said, the opportunity to build something here. So, um, for now, it's, you know, worried about the, the, the surgery and getting back, getting back playing and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And uh, I've seen interesting conversations with people, right? You have some Bulls fans that say things that are reasonable, like, hey, well, this should allow the Bulls to sign him on a more team-friendly contract, considering his surgery, considering his performance on the court. And then you have some Bulls fans that say things that are just stupid, like, let Patrick Williams walk for nothing. Here's what I'm going to tell you guys, right? First off, you got to understand the, the salary cap. A lot of fans make these decisions in silos like, oh, let them walk for nothing. We can, we can spend that money elsewhere. Not realizing that the way that the salary cap works and your ability to re-sign your own players with going over the, the cap but still staying under the luxury tax is why you don't just let a player that's 22-year-olds like Patrick Williams walk away. Now, I'm not saying the Bulls should pay him whatever he wants either, right? Now, there is a case and scenario if Patrick Williams is truly coming to the table with his representation, trying to break the bank, then, then you look at signing trades. You, you say, go and, go and find your deal out in restricted free agency, and we, we may match it, right? So you may get into those type of scenarios. But letting Patrick Williams walk for absolutely nothing, a 22-year-old player who has still has room for the gro to grow and has taken – you know, has improved some, but still has tons of room that he needs to, and things he needs to develop on. But when it comes down to it, you got to ask yourself, the Bulls offered Patrick Williams a four-year, $64 million contract, which would have averaged out to about $16 million per year that Patrick Williams turns down. Now, it's believed, not necessarily, you know, I think that's kind of come down some before, but, it, but it's been talked about that Patrick Williams and his uh, agency was more looking at a deal like DeAndre Hunter's four-year, $90 million deal uh, that he got with Atlanta, which would come around to $20 million annually. Now, the fact is, is that, like I said, I know a lot of Bulls fans are thinking, oh, well, sign P. Will for this low amount. His qualifying offer is $13 million. He's not signing for less than the qualifying offer in $13 million, not with this team, right? That's not going to happen. So because of that, that means that that negotiation period is between that $13 and $20 million, uh, you know, the bare minimum to the high end, right? And I think that's going to come somewhere in the middle of that. That's kind of what I've been saying. And so while Patrick Williams says great things like he wants to stay in Chicago and I respect that, that he loves it here, that's what he's supposed to say. And even him saying like, well, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what, what their future is, especially in the NBA. It's not always in your control. But if this team is truly pivoting towards that youth and development of the young players, they definitely aren't going to let Patrick Williams walk. And they're not going to let Patrick Williams walk for nothing either way so that's your hope that's your real thought process that you think the bulls should let patrick williams walk for nothing gotta ask you, what the hell are you smoking but with that said we'll end up seeing what comes of this and i do think that it is a tough decision 
in, in front of not only the, the Bulls front office, but Patrick Williams and his agency. Because you have to be realistic in the fact that, listen, for whatever it is, your player is averaging role player numbers. That's it. You, you're getting role player money. That is what you have shown. Role player money. Right? That's it. And it's up to you to show that you're worth more than that deal. And that is why I've been saying, and I do think that Patrick Williams is probably not going to sign longer than a three-year deal. Probably not. And and maybe there's a fourth-year option. Maybe it's a three-year option, whether it be team or player. But there is an absolute possibility that ends up being where it goes. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what that means for the Bulls' long-term future and outlook as well. Now, with all that said and out the way, we do have a game tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans, and this is a game that's going to be interesting. Now, the Pelicans, for what it's worth, uh, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are listed as questionable for this game, where C.J. McCollum has already been ruled out. But even without that, the New Orleans Pelicans are the 15th-ranked offense in the NBA, averaging 116 points per game. They're the 10th-ranked rebounding team in the league, averaging 44.4 rebounds per game. And they they average 11 offensive rebounds per game. They don't show a whole hell of a lot of second-chance points, which is weird enough. And then also, they aren't a team that can that take a lot of three-pointers. They actually take less three-pointers than the Chicago Bulls. They're taking 32 three-pointers per game. Now they do hit it at a respectable clip of 37.5 percentage hitting it from three. So while they don't take a lot, they make them at an efficient enough level. So you have to add, with the Bulls coming in here on the defensive side of the ball for the Bulls, what they're going to have to do is what they always have to do. Keep the Pelicans off the boards. And that's on both sides of the ball. If you keep them off the boards, you're definitely going to have you're going to help yourself. CJ McCullum being out already helps you offensively as well with this team. So that that's a big part of it. But this is still a team that likes to spread the ball around. And we already know. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. You get Zion Williamson going with the head of steam. He's almost unguardable in the NBA. And unfortunately, we don't have the forwards that are that are that are, are on paper enough are going to be able to slow Zion Williamson down at all. This is going to be an interesting game to see what the Bulls do with Andre Drummond as well in this game. Do they put him on Zion some? If they play him and Vooch together, what are they going to do there? Right? Because I, I while we started Alice Caruso at the power forward last game. And Alex Crusoe is a hella defender, don't get me wrong. But guarding Zion, I don't know if I necessarily trust that, right? But this team is going to have to come in with a defensive game plan, rebound the ball well, try to force turnovers where you can. And if you can do that, I think the Bulls' defense can 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 stand the test enough against the Pelicans on the offensive side of the ball. But then you got to look at the Pelicans' own defense. They're the eighth-ranked defense overall in the NBA, allowing 112 points per game. They also force the seventh-most turnovers in the NBA they force their opponents to have. So, the Bulls are going to have to protect the ball. Protect, protect the ball. Get as many offensive rebounds as you can as well to get those second chance points. Get out in transition so you can score easy before the Pelicans' defense has a chance to set in. But that half-court defense is going to have to be poignant and, and, and well, potent 
and effective. You're going to have to do that. That means we're going to need Io to hit his threes. We're going to need Alice Crusoe to be effective from three. And Kobe White cannot have a slow game, regardless of who's starting or not for the New Orleans Pelicans. I need to see Kobe White come out now. Don't get me wrong. Jose Alvarado is going to try to, to cause fits for Kobe, uh, starting in place of C.J. McCollum. He's going to try to try to do that. And Herb Jones, they're going to Herb Jones under Marta Rosen is going to be interesting to watch. And if Kobe does get hot, especially towards the end of the game, don't be surprised if they switch Herb on to Kobe White at times. That is going to be interesting to match. The chess match of tonight's game and how Billy Donovan and this coaching staff play this, probably the most important parts of the game. And we'll see how the Bulls can stand up to this. Again, you guys know I don't predict wins or losses for the Bulls. I just talk about scenarios and what they can do. And this is a game where the Bulls have shown enough on both sides of the ball to be able to take care of business and fight wits with the New Orleans Pelicans, especially with them missing C.J. McCollum. But this Bulls team can't come in with their heads up their ass. You just can't. You have to be, a, be willing to, 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 uh, to effectively play and don't let yourself get down on yourself when the Pelicans, if they do, get out to a run. So let's hope that the Bulls can come in here, they can take care of business against the Pelicans, and we can get a win. Uh, we lost two in a row. You don't want to lose three in a row. Now, while the Atlanta Hawks and the Brooklyn Nets are still losing. We have that uh, that's, uh, space created. You don't want you, you, you to start t- capitalizing on that, on that possible space uh, so you can hold on to your spot. But, all right, with that said, it's, it's Sunday, so that means it's still mailbag day. We're going to go ahead and get into the voicemails. This first one, this one's from our brother, Corn. Hey, what's good, King? It's Corn. Uh, um, let's get into it, man. Let's get straight into this. Uh, yesterday game, um, just the Celtics. It was very frustrating because to me it was the inevitable. Um, I've been saying this, man. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we even gonna make the play. I don't know. I'm nervous. We should. I hope we do. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like sixty forty on it. I'm like sixty percent sure that we might make the plan. And I'm just, this has to be said, and we need to start saying this. Um, ask me. Ask me. I can't believe I'm just to say this. Right now, as we speak, our worst are the guard packs. This has to be said, and we need to start saying it. Um, I never thought I would because when Anthony first joined on, when they huge fan of them, come from that championship pedigree, I understand why they like holding their players. You know, you had two big-time injury-prone players in Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray that you stuck with, but this is not that. Um, we should have made trades for Drummond. We should have made trades for AC. We should have made trades for DeMar. We might be losing DeMar and Drummond for nothing. Um, if you could have got three second, second picks, you should have took it. Um, they're impactful on this team, but they'll be more impactful on a championship contender team. It's going to be the same. Um, so this is why I'm confused with this front office. I'm really confused. I'm upset. And I don't understand what the fuck they're doing. At this point, we're going to lose DeMar and Drummond for nothing. And I don't know if we could have traded tomorrow, but Drummond, we could have traded the Philly for three seconds, and they said no. Um, it's time to start calling this front office, start to start. At least guard packs gave us an Eastern Conference Championship. We're not sniffing one with Acme, bruh. So it's time to be said, Acme is worse than guard packs. Appreciate you, King. Blessings. Will the Bulls make the plane? Well, statistically, the Bull, this, everything's still in the favor of the Bulls. The Bulls would have to have a massive fall off to completely miss the plane. Keep in mind, we have a two-game lead over the Atlanta Hawks, who are on a three-game losing streak. We also have a five and a half game, no, five-game advantage over the Brooklyn Nets, who have lost their last four. That five, the Brooklyn Nets would have to 
move, have to win so many games to leapfrog the Bulls to push them out of the play-in. So while I understand your concern on the Bulls not making the play-in, it's statistically still in favor of the Bulls making the play-in. So we'll see. They, they would have to have a massive fall-off, and we've seen that happen before. So you're not outside the realm of worrying about that fall-off happening. That, that absolutely is something that could happen. Now, as far as uh, losing Drummond and DeMar for nothing, here's what I'll say. The DeMar part, I, I've talked about this a lot, Corn. I think that they're playing the odds, right? Either you're going to re-sign DeMar or a team that really wants DeMar is probably going to be over the salary cap and you can get a sign-in trade. Now, and, and even with that said, if they lose DeMar for nothing, that's not necessarily the worst thing. The Bulls, with where their salary cap is right now, that would allow them to basically use their full mid-level exception, which then could bring in talent still. So there's that thing. If you would have traded DeMar at this trade deadline, if there weren't any expiring contracts offered in that, that may be why the Bulls shut that down. Because if a team was offering a contract that still goes into next season, you're not really gaining much flexibility. And I don't think DeMar was what is going to get offered any like first round picks or anything like that. Now, if it was, if a first round pick was on the table for DeMar and you turned that down, then absolutely that that's wrong. Now, as far as the Drummond part of it, I mean, the thing is, is that if you re-sign Drummond, it all goes away, right? If you don't and you really got offered because it's gone back between two and three first round picks that the uh that the 76ers actually offered. That's that that's you've done better in the second round. That's definitely mad questionable on what you're going to do now. Is Acme worse than Gar Pax? I I listen. I've had an in depth discussion about this before on the channel. Here's what I'll say: Paxson, when he was alone as GM, no, AK doesn't sniff that. But Gar Pax, when they came together, I got to It's it's still almost neck and neck to me. Yeah, Gar Pax. I, I I was. I think Todd even was already here before Gar Foreman took over. I, I could be wrong on that. They drafted extremely well. They drafted much better than what Acme has drafted, and that there so is almost enough to say that they were better than Gar Pax, but they drafted talent that then they couldn't develop. They couldn't fit the team together well, and it, it like it's almost in the same exact spot. We just went out and got trades of players that didn't fit together. So the draft aspect, though, is what may be the thing that separates the, mo the two front offices the most right now. They still drafted fairly. We still had tons of mistakes. Denzel Valentine, a mistake, right? That was that was definitely a mistake. Marquise Teague, definitely a mistake, right? Um, you got to look at those type of players. But then, of course, you got the Gaffords, who's still very effective, right? You got Wendell Carter, who is not good. That's, Wendell Carter's not good. He goes in the negative, not in the positive standpoint there. Um, Laurie Marketing, yeah, they, but they they then decided to. You can't, it's, you can't just look at it at player personnel. They doubled down. On Jim Boylan, that also gets you an idiot as a front office, right? So it's it's a lot of negatives from both. And I think sometimes we we conflate the Paxson run with the Gar Pax run, and we look at those things as two things together. The Gar Pax run was very different than the John Paxson run when he was by himself. But here, they also had more time. And Acme and AK and Eversley are not going to have more time if they don't improve it for sure. And let's see where we can end up going, man. But all right, let's go ahead and move into the next one. Uh, the next voicemail is from No Sage. C.O. Hayes, no sage from Hip Hot Heads, just some quick stage thoughts. I saw that the Tim was signed to the Bulls now officially. I actually got to see him at the Windy City Bulls game in January, and he actually um, was on fire that day um, for about almost 20 points. But, man, it's just it's just wild being a Bulls fan right now, bro. It's like I honestly have to attribute a lot of my coming back to the franchise with your fandom because – when DeMar was king of the fourth, that's literally when I got right right back with the Bulls, like as far as like being locked in and, you know, being that my kids are coming up in these um, uh, little dribbler basketball leagues to kind of help my, feed my fandom as well. But still going to rock with the Bulls, ride or die. But 
I guess my my last fleeting thought is that it feels like besides being the mediocre franchise that everyone jokes about and the, the punching bag, it's like they're selling us on this hope, man. I know, like, the nostalgia always happens, but it feels like every player that we have, they're on the brink of greatness. And whether they get injured or whether they don't live up to that greatness, that's neither here nor there. But just the, the, the hope of it all in every situation, every player – this um just is enough to sell tickets, I guess is what I'm saying. So it's just kinda sad. But um that's about it, bro. Just um I'm I'm happy that you're still posting episodes and I know you will continue to do so once you hit your landmark next month and even to the end of the season. So thanks again for everything. Um be red. That's about it, bro. I think No Sage just be calling because he just wants to talk to me. I gotta give No Sage my, my actual phone number because I think the dude just wants to talk about the bulls sometimes. How, what am I supposed to do with this on the voicemail, No Sage? What am I supposed to do with this? You didn't ask me a question. What am I supposed to do? You just want to hang with your boy? You can come hang with you. No, I'm just, no says is one of my friends, but I got to I gotta mess with him. Um, always being on the brink. I won't say of greatness, right? The only time I thought we were on the brink of greatness was the Derrick Rose era. And had Derrick Rose never went down, I do think that, that, that they would have been able to put a championship team together eventually. Um, but we have always are on the brink of, of being around the corner, right? Turning that corner. And we don't quite get there. And I think it's, it's the the doubling down, right? We, we we went out for the the immediate success, right? Not the long term sustainable success. When you trade for vets and you give up first round picks, that's usually flash in the pan success. Usually, most teams that do that, you got a three to five year run. And if you do it correctly, that's if you do it correctly, right? And that that just didn't work out for the Chicago Bulls. And so, yeah, there's hope around this team. Kobe White is one of the main reasons for hope around this team. But there's also mad reason for doubt and mad reason for questioning what this front office is really going to be able to do. But Let's hope that we have more clarity this offseason. Let's see. All right, let's get into the next uh, last voicemail for the day. This one's from Shay. What's up, Hayes? Look, man, I heard about Patrick Williams and what happened. Now he's out for the season, and this is a damn bummer. Furthermore, I don't know how to feel about this unalive team signing. Yeah, he's good for the future, but as of right now, I don't know if he could help us. And not to mention, we already got enough guards. I feel like this is just lazy. A lazy signing just to say that they did something, especially when Derek Favors is currently a part of our G League team. He could easily help us at the power forward spot. And I just, and I'm just now remembering that. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but I like earning my big, big team. I've seen them a little bit in the G League because, you know, Tubi has live G League games, but I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily ready for the NBA yet. But hey, that's just me. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. Can Batim signing help us? Yeah. I think when you look at a 40% high-volume three-point shooter, that absolutely can help a team that needs three-point shooting more than anything. The bigger question, like I talked about in the first segment, is will Billy Donovan play? That's the only question. I have no doubts that Batim, it may be a rocky road, and you know the, there's only 26 games left, so maybe it's, it's, it's rocky there. I have no doubts that Batim can help the Bulls. The, the, how much he can help them, now that depends on how he adjusts to the NBA game. But Billy Donovan's desire to play him that's the thing that i doubt and i don't know if billy donovan is going to play him and did you really just say Derek Favors? Derek favors couldn't help the bulls much at all like what are you talking Derek favor bro come on it's 2024 Derek favors ain't helping nobody Derek favors is barely helping himself we helped him with getting him a deal so he can get some money he ain't helping the chicago bulls bro come on shay what we talking about bro what we talking about but thank you guys so much for leaving those voicemails in for today i'll be back today it's game day so we'll be back live for the pregame halftime hangout and post game shows all live on the channel so make sure you guys stay tuned in for that but that's my time follow the show at bull central pod you can send us any feedback questions comments concerns 
bullcentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related, thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of The Break Break Media. Media.